0: Can our kindness, I'm not talking about niceness, but our kindness, actual self-sacrifice be used against us? In this episode, Tara and I talk about selfishness versus selflessness and how to examine our inner motives, but also to evaluate the wisdom of extending ourselves to risky or toxic people. And the self-help tip is using self-observation as a way to know whether or not someone warrants our kindness and generosity. Thank you for joining us on Breaking Free from Narcissistic Abuse, where we talk about strategies, tips, and tricks on navigating and recovering from narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie McEvoy, a mental health clinician with over 20 years experience and author of Love You More, a graphic inside look at my experience of a toxic relationship. And I'm your other co host, Tara Blair Ball, a certified relationship
1: coach and be survivor, and author of Reclaim and Recover, Heal from Toxic
0: Relationships with a seven step guided journal. It has been a huge challenge for me to sort through selfishness versus selflessness, especially as a recovering from abuse because of the loss of self and finding self respect. Finding that line has been so tricky, so tough because I had been raised to think that that the most big thing the most altruistic the big hearted thing is to give of myself for others and that has been a defining thing but i've realized that it put me at great risk in that abusive relationship so i've been trying to tease this out for myself and it's been really tough as someone who struggles with codependency i heard years ago from a therapist the difference between caretaking
1: and caregiving that caregiving is when we can give to others without expecting something in return But caretaking is when we give with some kind of expectation or ulterior motive. And that's often how I've been able to tell. Like you mentioned the whole like feeling like it's at a cost or there's a high price to pay. That's where I have to check in with myself of like, why am I doing this? What am I expecting when I give this or do this? And am I expecting something in return or some kind of thing to set up, because then I'm just going to get resentful and angry and bitter if that's the case. I have to be better about just saying no in general, just, yeah, in life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's certainly been my journey too, trying to figure out the difference between those two lines, because I was raised with this concept in a very evangelical Christian home of joy being Jesus first, others second, and you last. So that means every time that you put yourself first, then somehow you're knocking Jesus out of the way, which makes you a bad person. Or maybe even talk about it, who's at the throne in the center of your life? Are you sitting on that throne or is God sitting on that throne? So there's, there was a lot of indoctrination about all of that. And I'm not saying that that's all bad. But what I am saying is that it confuses the fact of what does self-love look like? Because it makes all forms of self-love then toxic or selfish anyway, at least selfish or prideful which really, really tripped me up is I felt I figured out pretty early on that doing it for selfish reasons, in other words, being kind to you, showing you niceness and generosity in order to get you to be the same back to me was a form of manipulation, actually. Mm-hmm. And I learned to sort of let go of that and just do because that's who I wanted to be. But what really tripped me up, Tara, in that abusive relationship was that there are people who seize kindness I'm not using niceness on purpose because to me, niceness is sort of a social nicety that we do that is a form of exploitation of itself. But kindness, you know, it's deliberate, it's thoughtful, it's truly sacrificial that they see that is pitiful, pathetic, Mm. exploitable, worthy of disrespect because they see the world in a very, very different way. They see it in a competitive way. So they then want to know what is your reason or are you that idiotic that you would open yourself up to be exploited? You're then you're asking for it. So I've had to learn that that I need to then not only judge my motives, but also consider possible motives of the person that I'm doing it for and whether or not I'm actually opening myself to be hurt by them, possibly, if I'm not careful. So that's a completely new angle that I've, I'm trying to sort out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes it complicated. That's the hard part. It makes it super complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because because here's the thing. I think back to that former relationship. Let's just assume for a moment his cry for help was truly a real cry for help. It wasn't. But let's just for a moment assume that. Then that would make sense that my stepping in to giving the help, trying to find the right resources or at least supporting his seeking treatment was good. but Now I'm realizing that that may have been a good behavior, but it was behavior that got exploited. Or even like right now, somebody got a hold of me last night who said that their partner is threatening to harm themselves if she doesn't come back and that he's suicidal. What does she do? What if he's really suicidal? Does she just sort of like, oh, well, too bad. Good luck with that. Or is the right human thing to do some kind of measure of help? because this person has been really exploitive of her and he's done this to her before, that it's probably another effort to hoover again. So it's exploitive, it's manipulative, but it gets tricky. These lines are really, really hard to navigate because there's the human thing, the compassionate thing. And then there's the in ways in which that we then are vulnerable for abuse. And sometimes they're right against each other, right against each other. What I advised her to do was contact his family Reach out to emergency service. You don't have to be the one that saves him, but you certainly can let others know that he needs saving. That's what I've
1: suggested to clients who've come to me with a similar thing is reach out, reach out for outside help. It doesn't have to come from you. You're not the person that can really help if that's really their intention. But it is emotionally abusive, emotionally manipulative for someone to throw that out. I just keep thinking about your comment about, you know, judging. Others' motives, as well as our own. And you're right. It is, I'm stuck on that. I'm stuck on that. And I'm like, huh, let me look back and think. And yeah, it is, it is tough. It is tough. In my current relationship, my husband has asked me multiple times to help him meal prep. This is not a toxic relationship, but this is mundane. And I've always said no. And I know he would really love me to meal prep for him. I, I know that's something he would he would love. But I feed three children on my own because I'm the primary caretaker for our kids. And I'm not going to meal prep so you have this like special diet. I'm not going to do all that extra work when I'm already taking care of three individuals and can barely remember to feed myself. <laughs> and I've always said no. I know for a fact if I was to do it today, I would get extremely resentful and irritated. And I would say things to myself like, well, why why isn't he meal prepping for me? (laughs) Like, I need to be meal prepped for? Today I'm able to do that? He asks it, but it's not something that he gets mad at me for not doing it. He understands why I say no and why I I don't do it. I, I don't have that extra place on my plate. I don't. But in the past, that would always be used against me. It didn't matter this other person wouldn't take into consideration my other tactics or duties. They would just minimize it or be like, you're just staying at home with the kids. Like, you have nothing else to do, even though I was taking care of newborn infants, newborn twins. It was never good enough when I said no. It was always, there was always pushback, always that kind of thing. And I still would sometimes feel, I would feel guilted into doing stuff. And then, Resentful because I'd been guilted into doing something that I knew I didn't have any space for or any time, and so it's not just like I think judging the motives of others, but also just like being aware too of what what comes around the ask, like the being guilted. I was guilted a lot in that relationship and other toxic or abusive ones. I just was constantly guilted
0: about about those things. You're making a powerful point, and that is: does a person see you? Do they really see you? Like, I know it. And I even know the argument It is like, we're already prepping food. How hard it is to prep my food. Right. (laughs) So it's a little bit. So you're all You're already buying groceries. Why can't you think about the kind of groceries that I also need? I mean, I totally know the line of argument, but what's also being ignored is all the mental energy having to know what that diet is, having to be able to prep a whole separate group of food was a whole separate group of containers. By the way, you can tell I know because I've done this, because I had to my late husband was gluten-free for a while. So I experienced Mm -hmm. that. I lived it. It's a lot of hard work when you ask somebody to do that. (laughs) I did do it for a while and I also didn't do it for a while. It kind of depended on my state and whether or not I had it in me to do that. Right now I live with my adult middle son and there are certain things he takes care of in the house and there's certain things that I take care of the house. And one of the things that he does is he completely creates the grocery list, pays for the groceries. He puts the groceries away and he often cooks for me. He even makes the menu for the week, but he's not very good at cleaning up. That's just not a strong point of his, but he does all this other manual labor. I don't have to think about it. I don't even pay for it. So <laughs> I I don't like the cleanup part, but I remind myself this is a person who's carrying a lot of a mental load that I don't have to carry. And yes, I can carry some of the mental load and the work around some other things that maybe are not my favorite things, but I'm sure he doesn't always like that grocery bill. And I'm sure he doesn't always have every week the time to do this, but he's doing it. So to me, I kind of like assess, is is he seeing me? Absolutely, he sees me. He's like, he even remembers what I want and I don't even have to tell him. Then can I see him? Can I then return that favor, even in areas that I don't always like? Absolutely. That helps me because sometimes I think, There are people who just do it because they expect it. It's sort of like they're entitled to that and they don't even know that there's privilege to this, that to to ask you to do that is so much work and take so much time and so much cleanup time on top of it. But they don't. And then the and I'm not saying about your relationship because I know you got a good relationship, but with some people, there's not that reciprocity. That's not that kind of a balanced sacrifice. So that's also what I measure is, is this person seeing me the way that I'm seeing them? But I think it's still super important. I want to circle back to this because this is where it really tripped me up, really tripped me up, is that we can come at it from the complete right place. We can come at it from assessing it correctly. We can come at it doing it in a balanced way that shows our self-respect and it still can be exploited. It's important for us not to forget some people, fortunately, only 20% of the world, but roughly according to Sandra Brown, 20% of the world's predatory. And they really see things differently. And they really like back to that episode where we talked about, I think it was a dark triad. We talked about the four roles. You're either a patron, you're Patsy, you're the pawn, or you're the enemy. And there is no room in that world. You're one of those four positions. And if you do things for them, ask what they ask you, you're either being a patron who's giving them influence, you're Patsy, and they're setting you up, they're pawn or they're using you, or they think you're an idiot because you're the enemy. And we forget that not all of our good behavior is doing good things for us. Sometimes it's making us at risk, really putting us in a dangerous position. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. How do we know that? We don't often know that. And I think sometimes for me, I have to lead with being a good person from the start, but then assess what does that person do with it? Is there reciprocity in this relationship? Do I see more contempt? If I do a good thing and they come back with contempt, that's a sign to me this person now disrespects me because of my kindness, because of my generosity. Are they showing me the same kind of sacrificial behavior back towards me? Is their words lining up with their behavior? Am I seeing consistency with what they say and what they're doing? All of this helps me to know more about this person.
1: And coming back to to what we talked about in the beginning, just the idea of our looking at our own behavior. I think it's really easy to not necessarily think about the motives of others or to believe, at least for myself, I always gave people the benefit of the doubt, even if they responded with contempt, like you mentioned. Like, I would just think it was because I didn't do something right or I needed to change what I was doing or I always internalized it, brought it back to myself, blamed myself. That was just sort of my nature. But if I could assess my motives, a lot of the times my my actions would look really kind and loving from the outside. I remember going to buy my ex like some sweet saying that he wanted from the grocery store. And my thought was, if I buy this for him, I hope he'll be nice to me. I at the time did not see that as my desire to control him, but it was. That's what it was, is that my desire to try to control and manipulate him into treating me with kindness and basic human decency that and I was I would do these things these games these whatever to try to figure out I was always buying him like little things in the hopes of this will be the thing that you know I'll let him play his video game I will whatever I will do this in the hopes that he will treat me this way and I was trying to constantly manage and juggle his emotions and I could never predict the reaction I might buy him some ice cream or whatever, and he'd be like, why the fuck did you buy this for me? I'm on a diet, even though I didn't know he was on a diet. Or he'd love it, but then still ignore me. Or who knows? It just was so unpredictable back to that intermittent reinforcement that we talked about in the last episode. But my intentions were always with, I will do this because I I want something from this. I have an action. I have a, a motivation for this that's, not, that's beyond just... Oh,
0: I'm being kind or nice. Mine was I kept thinking I could model good behavior, and then they would want to be like me. Oh, you know that I would like like the teacher, you know, sort of the 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 wise psychologist, and then like, oh, that's what caring behavior looks like, or oh, that's what generosity looks like. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, so, Um, you know, we're talking about adult people and adult males. Come on, let's get realistic here. One of the things my ex would do is he'd take me to the Rolex store and look at his favorite watch. And I know, you know, at the time, I like I kind of knew he was hoping I'd buy it to him as a gift. And this is a guy who for one of the gifts that he gave me was a re-gift from an affair. Oh, my God. That's the kind of level of generosity was back towards me was shit, was absolute shit. And yet he would walk into a re- Rolex store and look at his favorite watch. And then he would say, and I and I, of course, this is a paradoxical intervention, although I don't know if he knew that that's what it was called, but he'd say, "I don't want you to buy that for me. I just like looking." Like, oh no, dude, this, there's a ulterior motive here. You're hoping, you're hoping that I will buy it for you, but I'm not. Maybe early on in my my college years, I definitely did nice things, hoping people would be nice back to me. I thought I just started doing nice things, hope you know, to because I wanted to be nice. And I also sometimes did nice things because I hoped that it was good, a good example. <laughs> I thought that I was leading by example not realizing that I was just setting myself up for exploitation. That reminds me of something that near the end
1: of my first marriage, when I got pregnant with the first baby, I bought an amazing trip to a college that my ex-husband had always wanted to visit. It was It's like one of those colleges where football is king and they have all these rituals and routines that are set up around football games. So I bought him this trip for us to go see this football game, go. And I mean, it was his family's team. They'd always wanted to go visit or whatever. I bought him this trip for us to go to a football game together. And it was his dream trip that he'd always wanted to go to for his whole life. His dream trip. Okay. Now, this is the same person who, in our relationship, I had begged every single year. I love the mountains. I was like, I really would like to go to a cabin in the mountains. I would love for that. Okay. And the one time he took me to the mountains... He was terrible to me the whole time. Like, I remember we got to the cabin and he was having trouble with a fishing rod and he like threw it across the room and treated me terribly. And I mean, like, it just sucked. And when I got him this trip, we were in couples therapy and he said in couples therapy, I'm so excited about this trip. I'm going to actually plan and set up what we're going to do. And that reminded me of that trip where he bought it but then planned nothing for it planned nothing for it because it wasn't for him yeah even though it was supposed to be a trip for me a, tr- a pleasure trip and something i'd always wanted yeah. he was only going to plan if it was for him and that level of selfishness that at that before that i really struggled and really struggled seeing and that was really probably the first time i truly seen it that wow you're going
0: to plan that one <laughs> I had an epiphany this week about a Bible verse. There is a verse in it that never made sense to me. It just confused me. It says, don't throw pearls before swine. Now, you know, you'd say, don't do careless things, and you think about what swine is to a Jewish tradition, which is a, it's, a meat that they don't eat, they see it and clean. So you could consider, like, don't take something that's precious and then waste it on something that's, that's just not even edible to you. But it hit me this week that our kindness is the pearls. And not everybody deserves the kindness. You you taking all that effort to set that vacation up was an incredible kindness. Mm-hmm. But he didn't really show the fact that he could value what you were giving him, that it was just like casting pearls before swine. It was wasted. I, I saw myself do that over and over and over in an abusive relationship. There's a couple of angles that I think is really important is who do you want to be ethically? You know, that you your moral code lines up with yourself. Yes, it's always important that if you want to be a kind person to practice kindness. But I also think that sometimes we don't need to practice anything. Sometimes we don't need to be mean and we don't need to be kind. We can just not be involved. So I, I try to like assess this when I meet these situations. Like what's really being asked for out of here? Do I have to show up? Is, is it requiring that out of me? Am I doing it for a higher purpose or am I doing it for myself or am I, do, you know, what what's sort of my motivations and that helps me then to m- navigate these a little less in, in risky, in a little less of risky way. Yeah. I got
1: in the habit to sort of work on this motive for myself is just matching what was given to me, hmm. which can feel really shitty, especially to those of us who struggle with codependency and like yeah. feeling like we have to exist with external approval and validation. For example, if someone sent me a text, I would respond and then I would wait for them to respond. I would wait. If I set up these plans, set up some plans, I would wait until they set up the next set of plans before I did that. And that kind of helped me honestly like pair back the level of energy that I was giving and to really reassess some relationships, for example. Like there were some relationships that were really had become one sided. I was the only person maintaining them, that kind of thing. But I really had to check what are my motives here? And what am I matching what's given to me? Is there that reciprocity that you talk about a lot? And
0: a lot of times there wasn't necessarily, yeah.
1: you know, you
0: know, it hit me when you were saying all of that is that you have been one of the most generous people that I have met that didn't for a stranger. When I mean, you and I, our first, our paths crossed you. I, I wasn't anybody to you. I was nobody. I was somebody who was just trying to get into an area that you're already doing and doing very successfully. But over and over, you would show up and be extraordinarily kind and generous to me in, in an undeserved way. I never deserved that. You, it was just an expression of who you are, Tara. And and that's one thing that I've always kind of come back. And I, I ask myself about that about people. Like, is this a reciprocal relationship? Do, do I see all three motives here? You know, is this a person who's also sacrificial? And that kind of helps me know whether or not there's a safety. And I, and I, that's how I've always known Yes, this is a person I can, because I'm a very generous person. I like to help people out, but it's helped me to know that you've been safe to do that with because of that. And it's just something I just really appreciate about you. Really, really appreciate about you. To wrap this up, I think there's not this, it, as much as this seems like a black and white issue, it's not. The more you and I talked about it, the more complex it got and the more nuanced it got and more, more issues there are. But it really comes back to, I think that we have to be having big conversations with ourselves all the time. In what ways
1: have you struggled with seeing yourself as selfish? And did you find today's conversation helpful in seeing that differently? You can let us know by emailing us at hello at breaking Free with Carrie, If you haven't yet, make sure you follow or subscribe, write us a review. And if you know someone who'd benefit from this episode, make sure to share it with them. If you're not following us on social media yet, you can check me out at terra.relationshipcoach and Carrie at Carrie McAvoy, PhD. And we will see you back here next time.